for some reason just near the door you can't just come in and sit at the desk that they made you have in this examination room like am i boring you with telling you that my throat is closing up Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. What's up, Oh My Allergies fam? Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. Happy Tuesday, guys, since episodes go up on Tuesdays. If you're new, I'm Valencia. Very nice to meet you. And if you are not subscribed to the podcast, what are you doing with your life? Make sure you are subscribed to the pod on your podcast platform of choice. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, Audible, pretty much any platform you can listen to podcasts on. Make sure you stop, drop, roll, and rate the podcast. Hopefully your rating is five stars and also leave the show a review because it really helps with growing our community and being able to reach new ears and new people. Follow us on Instagram at Oh My Allergies. Follow me on Instagram at Oh My Valencia. And keep on sharing the pod with people you know and don't know. So today, I thought that I would sit down with you all and talk about something that I think a lot of people have dealt with at some point in time. And it's something that I've been dealing with recently. And it's having this feeling of being dismissed or ignored by a doctor. I know a few months back when I was on the Oh My Allergies podcast Instagram, which you should definitely follow, it's at Oh My Allergies. And on our Instagram, I had talked about my bad experience of going to one allergist and not really having the best experience and then did a poll on our Instagram story about whether other people have had bad experiences where they didn't feel heard or they felt ignored by a doctor and you all had an overwhelming yes as your answer. And then also more recently, I've been dealing with some symptoms and so I went to the doctor and like that whole experience wasn't that great and I felt like the doctor was like dismissing me and my concerns, not really listening to me and my experiences and talking to me like I'm not an informed patient even though I communicated that I was and like honestly just the list could just go on and on and on about that visit. So this recent experience really inspired me to want to do an episode on medical gaslighting 101 and how to talk to your doctor when they aren't listening to you. I feel like this episode could really not only just apply to when you're going to an allergist, but also for all other parts of medicine and other doctors as well. But before we get into today's episode, you guys know I got to talk about what's been going on. Well, what's been going on with me, I wanted to talk to you guys about how my skin has really been really bright and clear and how it's just been behaving the right way. Like it's nice and glowy and things like that. And I don't really have any like acne or like bumps, even though acne was not really something that I dealt with. Like I'll get bumps that might 
come up like during that time in the month or things like that. But overall, generally, my skin is very clear. Um, but it just has like this different look to it that I can't really explain, but I am contributing that that it is thanks to me having ginger shots. I feel like I've talked about ginger shots in one of my foodie likes. I don't really know if I have, but I really feel like having them has made the best difference in my life and in my skin. And I think that's because not only because of ginger's is really great properties, but the fact that this specific ginger shot is just ginger and lemon. And I was recently on Instagram and I saw like people will go and post them like downing a ginger shot. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, let me try that. Let me tell you guys, when I tried doing it with the ginger shots that I have, I literally messed up my stomach and it just left me feeling bad and like, all the wrong ways it was just not a good time so i highly don't recommend if you have one of the really good ginger shots and not the ginger shots that are like watered down with like pineapple juice and all of these things that bring in that like sugar component to them to make the ginger not taste as bitter but i like the bitterness of the ginger so i have really been downing those and it's kind of getting to the point where my pocket's not happy about it but my skin is happy about it and that's really all that matters. Another thing that's been going on with me, I've been watching The Bachelorette. It's a hot mess for sure, but really think that Gabby, one of The Bachelorettes, because as I said in last week's episode, this season of The Bachelorette, there's two Bachelorettes at the same time. Now, luckily, it's not like they gave them the short end of the stick and just left the same amount of guys as they normally do for a Bachelorette season that only has one Bachelorette on it, but... It's still kind of weird. Like there was like two guys that were like twins and brothers that came on this season. It was kind of weird. I don't know what they thought was going to happen, but they literally came in the first episode and left in the first episode. So they didn't stay that long. Um, but I really like Gabby. I think that she's really funny and I like her personality and she's really the only reason why I'm still watching. So hopefully it gets less cringy as the season goes on. But we all know it's The Bachelorette. So that's probably not going to happen. Another show that I am gearing up for, there's like two shows I'm gearing up for. And one thing that I've reflected on is that I watch a lot of reality television. I feel like that's not been the case like in past like years and even months and things like that. But like for some reason, I'm like weirdly on a reality TV show kick. I don't even know why. But one show that I'm really excited about is Love Island USA. That's about to start. It's kind of weird because with that show, it started on like CBS. Then it went between CBS and Paramount Plus, And now it's on Peacock. So I'm like, I don't even know what's going on with that show. So hopefully I'm able to watch it. And it's on the free side of Peacock rather than the premium side of Peacock because I'm not getting Peacock premium to watch Love Island. I'm just not. Another show that I'm excited about is the new... Pretty Little Liars show that's coming out on HBO Max was a big fan of Pretty Little Liars when it was on ABC Family slash Freeform even though the earlier seasons were like really scary and it had me looking out my windows like what's going on is A coming to get me like seasons one two and three were like really creepy in my opinion and I usually get roasted by my friends for saying that but it was and I feel like how could you not be creeped out by a person following you and girls leaving their windows open and their doors open and lights on to let this creepy person come and find them like the whole thought of that is just really weird in my opinion but that's pretty much what's been going on with me gearing up to watch those tv shows my skin has been behaving the right way and just watching the bachelorette but with that being said, let's get right into my foodie likes. 
So the foodie like I want to share with you all this week is from the brand Tazo. It's their skinny chai latte. If you guys know me, then you know that I am a big fan of tea and I'm not really the biggest fan of black tea in general, but this is literally one of the few black teas that I will actually drink is chai. But it's just more convenient having it where you can get like a little carton to make your own little chai lattes at home just because Starbucks and other places like Caribou, I am a person that prefers Caribou over Starbucks, but I know that they're just not as spread out as much of a Starbucks is. Um, lattes are expensive, so especially when you see them make it in the stores and you see they pull out the concentrate at times in order to make the lattes and it's like can make that at home buddy so found this skinny chai latte because regular chai latte from tazo their concentrate it's kind of a lot in calories i like this one because it has 45 percent fewer calories than their classic chai latte and i really like the fact that you get to blend it with your own milk rather than the ones that come with milk already included in the concentrate just because as a dairy-free gal because of allergies it just makes your life just so much better and you can have it hot you can have it iced i really like it it tastes really good what i will say is that it does have like a little bit of a sweetness to it I will say but I usually don't use a lot in it when I am making like a chai latte so it's not like too too sweet for me like I don't even use like the serving size just because a little bit of the concentrate will do you in my opinion but I will say that the skinny version of the chai latte is a little bit more so on the watery side I've had it where I tried to make a dirty chai and it just didn't taste right in my opinion. It was just really on the thinner side and I wanted it to have a little bit more body than it actually did. So that's kind of one of the downfalls of it. But overall, like the actual flavor of it is really good. Like that it has the fewer calories and the sugar and all of the things that make chai lattes really good, but you can still have it and not feel like too bad about it. So highly recommend if you are a chai girl like me. But I've not really been trying too many new things. I'm trying to get back into the swing of things to be able to have some things to talk about. I have a lot of foodie like repeats. So if you guys are open to me continually talking about things that I've already talked about, then like let us know on the Oh My Allergies Instagram, which is at Oh My Allergies. But that is the new foodie like that I want to share with you guys this week. So with that being said, let's get right into the allergy news. So this week's allergy news article is titled children's allergy medicine is recalled for bacteria yeast and mold yuck so the fda is recalling a children's allergy medicine after there were traces of a harmful bacteria that were discovered in it it was i believe it was coming from the brand Buzzagogo's Allergy Be Gone, which I think is like a, a nasal spray, an allergy nasal spray. It tested positive for traces of a bacteria called Bacillus cerarius. I think that's how you pronounce that bacteria. And that bacteria can actually lead to life-threatening illnesses in some people. And so there are specific lots that are recalled that have an expiration date of 
August of 2024 and they have certain UPC codes as well and so those numbers can be found at the bottom of the carton and according to the FDA the testing revealed that the medicine could also contain high levels of yeast and mold in addition to that bacteria so if you want to find more information about this recall in terms of the recalled lot the specific UPC more information about the expiration date check out our show notes for today's episode to get that information if you are a person who has a child who takes this allergy medicine it's really good to stay in the know of the different recalls that happen within you know the food community allergy community things like that so definitely check out our show notes but that is this week's allergy news articles and with that being said let's get right into today's topic which is all about medical gaslighting and how to talk to a doctor when you feel like they are not listening to you and you want to take them by the shoulders and be like listen to what I have to say listen to what I have to say like I say in these types of episodes I'm not a doctor Um, I'm not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be either of those things. These are just things that I know from personal experience and research that I've done. And I encourage you all to do research on your own as well. So I wanted to start off with really just painting a setting for you guys. Okay, so just stay with me. So imagine you're in an exam room, you know, that tiny exam room that has that examination table and has that sink, it has that little chair and there's that bright fluorescent light or you may be doing a telemedicine visit and you're like logged into the session. You put in your credentials and everything. You're in the virtual waiting room and you're waiting to be let into the main room. And so your doctor runs in late of course finally pops in and does the whole like quick pleasantries like oh my goodness how are you doing oh the weather ha 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 and then it goes back to the business and so you're in the session with them or her you're explaining why you're there you're going over your symptoms and then already you feel like you're off to the races with trying to get all of your words out before the doctor just jumps in to cut you off with either a word a comment a question redirecting to something else, which apparently research says that you only get seconds to talk before the doctor tries to jump in with a question, a commentary, what have you. But back to the visit. So you're in a conversation with the doctor, but it feels and seems to be very scripted on their part. And you're like, does the doctor even hear what I'm actually saying? And there's like some type of disconnect somewhere. And that actually can be really devastating and concerning as a patient. So whether it's because the doctor is giving off this energy of, I've never heard of that before, so it can't possibly be the case, or I wanna give you a WebMD treatment just so I can move on to the next patient, rather than having you feel like there's problem solving that's actually happening to figure out the root of what's really going on with you or your child, what have you. And I've been told that my concerns, quote, aren't serious, or that, quote, I'm just stressed. And this has been coined as being medical gaslighting. So if you're not familiar with medical gaslighting, medical gaslighting is when a doctor, healthcare provider, what have you, dismisses your complaints or concerns. They come across of them not taking you seriously at all or just blaming your symptoms on a vague cause. And they may even send you home without a 
proper diagnosis or a treatment plan. And I feel like we've all been there at some point, but especially people of color and women deal with this a lot more often. And so I'll break down some examples of medical gaslighting for women and people of color. So women are one of the most common victims when it comes to medical gaslighting. And a lot of times they're told that their symptoms are due to PMS or mental health issues like anxiety and stress, or it might just be something that can't possibly be the case, no matter how severe your symptoms are and gender bias in healthcare, whether it's with allergies or other different points of medicine, still very much exist. So some examples of this bias could be um, you spending more time waiting in the waiting room, emergency room for the same conditions or symptoms as a male. So when it comes to dealing with chronic pain or chronic illness, doctors viewing men with chronic pain or chronic illness as being like brave, or stoic, but meanwhile, viewing women with that same pain and chronic illness as being, you know, emotional or hysterical or, you know, really just not having to deal with as much pain or women having this preconceived notion that they're strong and they should be able to handle more than a male. Women being overreacting when it comes to symptoms and communicating that their symptoms are actually a lot worse than they actually are and that women are making too big of a deal when a quote man will be able to handle it and just a lot of bias that is very 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 problematic and just different biases like that um, when it comes to medical gaslighting based on race people of color are also frequently affected by medical gaslighting and this is really just rooted in racism which we all know has been deemed as being a public health crisis and that has resulted in a lot of different health disparities in a lot of different parts of medicine so whether it's allergies whether it is with reproductive health things like that it's just across the daggone board. So for example, unconscious bias about race may influence how medical conditions are treated in certain people. And this also includes healthcare providers and doctors. So them believing that black people have thicker skin and less sensitive nerve endings, um, believing that black people are biologically different from other people, being over twice as likely to use a negative descriptor in a black patient's chart in comparison to, let's say, a white patient. And even though none of these behaviors and beliefs are based in a truth, they still persist in healthcare and in the healthcare system today. So an example is back in December 2020, amid when the whole quarantining thing was happening for COVID. Um, there was a doctor, um, she posted a video saying that she was denied medication for her vid-related chest pain. And so when she was in the hospital, she said she had to beg her healthcare provider to take scans of her chest since they didn't believe her symptoms. And so she finally got the scan and it confirmed that the problems were indeed in her lungs. And a quote from the video was that she said, I put forth and I maintain that if I was white, I wouldn't have to go through that. And so she ended up dying from complications from the vid two weeks after being discharged from the hospital and to be completely honest even though it's sad there are so many cases that happen 
to so many people, specifically, especially for people who are of color and for women so often. And so I actually have a personal example of this when it comes to allergies. So I went to an allergist and I was going through some of the things that I knew that I already had an allergy to due to my reactions being anaphylactic. However, for the things I noticed that I was concerned about and wanted to get allergy testing on due to symptoms aligning with allergy symptoms, I was pretty much dismissed. I was told that I didn't know what I was talking about. I was in my head. All the things you pretty much do not want to hear from an allergist when at the end of the day, you are paying to see them. So like the least that they can do is act like they care about my concerns and finding out the root cause of like what's actually going on. And I pretty much had to keep pressing the allergist to do an allergy test. But by that point, I was like, I need to go get another medical opinion. I need to find a new doctor. It's like ridiculous that these things still happen in 2022. But it's alive and well, people. It's alive and well. But this is just a very great example of medical gaslighting. And it's something that is very dangerous because a delayed diagnosis and a treatment or even the wrong diagnosis and treatment can lead to having serious consequences for your health down the line. So now that I've talked about medical gaslighting, I wanted to talk through signs to look for that usually signify that your doctor is not listening to you and is kind of just checked out and is just like, I don't care. Sometimes medical gaslighting is very obvious. However, it's not always super easy to spot. It can be as simple as your doctor telling you that your symptoms are normal or that you may just be stressed. So one sign is that they're interrupting you which is what happened to me in my most recent example. And I honestly don't know why this happened or necessarily why it even happened to me because I'm like, I'm not done talking. So let me get my thoughts out first and let me explain to you the situation. And then we can start having a conversation because first you're supposed to get an understanding of what's going on with the patient and hear their story first, rather than trying to jump ship and try to cut off somebody in the conversation that was so annoying to me and having it where I bring up a symptom and then the doctor's like, oh, it has to be this. But I'm like, no, that's not what it is. And I'm about to tell you why, but you cut me off before I could actually tell you that, no, this is what I thought it was. But then, no, this is not the case because of X, Y, and Z. So just like how we always tell people in a regular setting to listen and actively listen and not listen to respond, but listen to understand, we would like for our medical professionals to also do the same thing. It would be nice and actually take what we're saying, not with a grain of salt, but actually be listening to what we're saying. Listen. And actually, according to WebMD, research shows that when patients begin to talk, the doctors actually cut them off after like 17 seconds, which I feel like 17 seconds is not enough for a doctor to be able to fully understand your situation and like what's actually going on. Sign number two is that they ask closed ended questions from like a checklist. So maybe you're trying to tell your story, but your doctor seems more invested in following a checklist of questions. They may not even relate to your situation and only require one worded answers. And so you may get this feeling that they are only asking the questions out of habit and not really actively listening to what you're saying. And you may feel ignored by them. So if like for my most recent example of 
what I felt was medical gaslighting was I went to the doctor for a specific uh, set of symptoms that I had been dealing with and really wanting to get to the root of what was going on. Going in, I had an informed idea of what I thought it was and really kind of knew my situation and kind of had in mind like what I was going to say to the doctor um, before the appointment like a rough outline kind of like when you write a paper and you don't really know what you're going to say but you write down some little notes anyway tangent but went into the conversation with the doctor more recently and he was just spitting off a checklist and was asking me like what about this what about that what about this what about that like very early on in the conversation and I'm like I didn't even fully get a chance to explain my situation and my story so can we like let me finish first before we get into a checklist and to be honest for me personally I would rather if there is a certain checklist of questions that you want to be able to weave into the conversation just have it happen naturally rather than it being like a checklist like okay what about this what about that what about this what about that what about this what about that because to me that's not really understanding my story. That's like you wanting the spark notes of my story. And I'm like, please listen to what I have to say because maybe that will be answered in my story, but you need to listen first. Another way is they're distracted by electronic devices. So nowadays, doctors and doctor's offices, they have their patients' health records electronically. And so they might have to update your electronic health records on, you know, like a laptop or a tablet while they're speaking to you or even a desktop. However, it may be hard to look you in the eye and really hear and understand everything that you're saying. And so if they're answering, you know, messages, you know, through that portal or text messages on a cell phone during your visit, that really takes away from that personal attention that they're supposed to be giving to you in your condition. Another sign is that they act rushed, which again, that is a common one. According to WebMD, a typical primary care doctor has about 15 minutes per patient, and some hospital doctors only have 11 minutes with a patient. And that it's never, in my opinion, okay to feel like you're being rushed in an appointment. It's happened to me at allergist appointments where they're not really trying to understand what's going on and what my concerns are they're just trying to rush me out of the waiting like like not the waiting room but out of the examination room so they can just go to the next patient and like wrap up the visit where that's like not even that's not even what should be the focus and then actually when I did some research on this they say that the U.S. medical reimbursement system pays doctors for doing procedures and not for explaining or empathizing so that could possibly be linked to why some doctors in some cases may be rushing because they're simply not getting paid to explain or empathize with you. They're getting explained to do things. So that's also something to kind of keep in mind that I was just like, wow, that is absolutely crazy. Um, Another sign is they're fidgeting, which is obviously a common one to look for. So look for is the doctor like tapping their feet or their fingers or are they like shifting in their seat you know signs of impatience are often expressed in body language that is restless doodling checking some sort of a device they're fidgeting if they're doing any of those things also one thing that i kind of in my opinion would count towards fidgeting is have you ever had it where you have a doctor and you're in the examination room 
let's say it's an allergist, because this has happened to me specifically with an allergist, and having it where throughout the visit, you see them slowly but surely fidgeting and moving their body towards the door, and then they're like leaning on the door, and I'm like, why are you at the door? I'm not at the door. What is, what is your obsession with the door? Like, what is going on here? Like, Am I like keeping you hostage in this examination room that you're for some reason just near the door? You can't just come in and sit at the desk that they made you have in this examination room. Like, am I boring you with telling you that my throat is closing up due to having this food and I don't know why and I think that I'm allergic to it? Like, is that boring you? Oh my goodness, I am so sorry that it is boring you. Another sign is that they have a different agenda. So maybe you come to your appointment with a long list of health complaints and symptoms to discuss, but because of limited time, your doctor just wants to focus on one main concern. And if you try to discuss any other problems, they cut you off and they try to just focus on that one problem. Another sign in another way is that they dismiss your symptoms, which I feel like is such a common one. It's something that I feel like everyone has felt at one point in time. I believe this was something that I talked about in my episode where I had uh, Kathleen the allergy chef on and she was talking about her experience with one of her children and how she had thought that her child was allergic to something and these were the symptoms that her child was dealing with and experiencing and based off you know her own personal experiences with her allergies that she thought that hey my son could be allergic to this or my child would have you and the doctor was pretty much like, yeah, no, I've not heard of that before. And I know we talked about in that episode, you definitely should listen to that episode to learn more about her story because her story is so interesting. But it's definitely like one that leaves you with a question mark. Like if you're going and taking the time to explain a situation, especially if it's a situation where you're painting a picture and it's very painful, all the different symptoms, whether you dealt with them yourself or whether your child dealt with them. And it's kind of like hurtful to like relive that whole situation because of all of the stress and anxiety you know that you might have been going through or your child was going through like it's not easy to do that so kudos to the people that have to do that when they're going to their allergy visits myself included because it could be pretty painful especially if it's an anaphylactic episode that you're having to explain and it's like yeah no I've not heard of being allergic or having those symptoms um, associated with that food or with that substance or with that foreign matter so it can't be real and it's like that's not what you're supposed to be saying that is not what you're supposed to be doing and maybe I might be crazy but my vision of a doctor is someone who is trying to be a servant leader someone who is trying to be a problem solver or creative problem solver really trying to find different ways through medicine to help people but I feel like as medicine has progressed and on and on and you know technology has kind of come into play within medicine that I feel like at times that kind of gets left behind that servant leader helping people and really when you come across people and doctors and allergists in specific that have that servant leader mindset that it's like those are the good ones keep them close keep them close for sure but based on research I did for this episode a lot of doctors feel constrained by the time and financial aspects of our healthcare system and aren't really willing to deal with diagnosing difficult or unclear medical problems and so perhaps after you know you've been evaluated you're told it's all in your head when you're really suffering from a symptom-based 
allergy symptoms or any illnesses that have not really gotten to the root of what's actually going on. And studies show that in over 50% of cases, patients complain that that they don't have any diagnosable medical cause that can be determined by laboratory testing and that fatigue, pain, dizziness, and insomnia are some of the most common symptoms that present doctors with a lot of different challenges and not really knowing what to do. So they just try to dismiss it altogether. Another sign is that they can't really summarize what you just told them. So like a good question to ask is when you're in a conversation with a doctor, say something along the lines of at this point, what is it that you're thinking? And if your doctor can't really summarize what you've shared and let you know what they suspect might be the cause of your condition, you know that they really haven't been listening to you and that you need to go all the way back to square one, which is a waste of both of you all's this time. But again, they need to be listening and actively listening to what you're saying. And then one other sign that I want to highlight in this episode is that they order unnecessary tests. So with less time to listen to patients, sometimes it's easier for doctors to be able to order blood tests or do x-rays and things like that. And that's because medical training places more of an emphasis on technology rather than developing you know, the high touch listening skills that make up a really great compassionate doctor. And so that kind of just glosses over things and it just pushes you off to technology rather than actually having the conversation and having a doctor that's present in your conversation and actually listening to your concerns. So I know after all of this, you're like, okay, like what should I do if I think that I'm being gaslighted by a doctor? So if you think you're being gaslighted by a doctor, a healthcare provider, or just other members of a care team, it can be really just be a tricky situation to navigate through. But first, try to talk to them about how your concerns are real and that you don't feel you're being helped properly. And if that doesn't work, then some other ways to be able to kind of take those further steps and address the situation is first jot down some notes before you go to the appointment or keep like some sort of a symptom journal to really just write down symptom information like when symptoms start, when do they stop, what makes them feel better or what makes them feel worse. And this really helps with creating a detailed record that you can bring to your doctor's appointment. So according to WebMD, doctors end up asking about symptoms rather than the story. And then people get conditioned to talk about their symptoms instead of their stories. And WebMD also says that studies have shown that over 80% of diagnoses can be made just by listening. And by that, they mean listening to the story, the open-ended story of what happened, rather than asking a yes-no question. So it's really important to tell the story of what you're going through. So when it started, if it's been painful before, what you were doing when you first felt it, how did it feel? How often do you feel the pain? This can really help clear things up. And it's really important to just go into that appointment with an idea of how you want your time with the doctor to go. And just make sure that you talk about what you want to talk about, ask the questions, listen to the answers, and if all fails, just make sure you follow up. I know for me, that's something that I want to get better at is that using the time wisely with the doctor, especially because usually on average, you get about 15 minutes with the doctor. 
And so you want to use those 15 minutes wisely. And if you have all your thoughts organized before going into that appointment, you don't waste time trying to get to the point and it takes you a lot longer. And then when you're done with the appointment, like myself, you're like, oh my goodness, I should have brought up this. I should have brought up that. Oh my goodness. Like, how could I forget that? That's one of the symptoms that's been irking me the most. And so really just having those notes in front of you to take to an appointment or having some sort of a symptom journal, whether it's in an app on your phone, whether it's something that's actually physical and you bring it with you and you read from it, just having some sort of resource I feel like is going to be helpful. And it's something that I want to start implementing into my life because I feel like it's no harm to have that type of a resource on hand. Another tip is to prepare a list of questions and really just be straightforward and open-ended in asking your questions. So making a list of questions you want answered and use them to really set the agenda for your visit. Your doctor is trained in this and will recognize the phrase shared agenda setting from research that I've done. So don't be afraid to just be honest if you feel like you're just not being heard. So for example, if you don't feel like you're being heard or that the doctor is dismissing you, say something along the lines of, I'm worried that we aren't communicating well. Here's why I feel this way. Or I need to talk to you about X and for some reason I feel like I can't. Can we talk about this? Or something along the lines of, I know you're busy, but I need to talk to you about this thing. And can we set up some time on the calendar? Or even something like, can you help me understand blank? Another tip is to take a relative or a friend with you to the appointment. If someone you trust is available and they are willing to come, then bring them along to your appointment because they can act as either like an advocate or a witness, and they may even be able to catch things that you miss or even ask a question that you might not have even thought of. And I found that this actually is more helpful if you take like a relative because I've taken a relative with me to a doctor's appointment if I wanted to be able to have it where if there was something that I didn't touch upon in terms of questions that they can kind of pick up the slack or ask a question that I just didn't even think of and kind of be my other set of eyes and ears in the situation because you know you can only do so much when you're trying to be present in a conversation and maybe there's something that you're missing or you know your notes might not have been as comprehensive or there's a symptom that you might have forgot to have said. Another tip is to just be honest and accurate. You know some people go to the doctor and they don't even tell the whole truth especially if the doctor is your allergist that you see every time you need to get like allergy shots or to go get allergy testing or you need to get a new prescription for your auto injector you need to be able to build that relationship between your physician and yourself that you can feel like you can tell them whatever you need to tell them because these things actually do impact your health another tip is to get a second opinion because it may help to talk to another medical professional about your concerns. So for example, it may be helpful to find one that shares your same gender, shares your same race, ethnic background, background in general as yourself. And really just having another medical opinion will also help you solidify if you've in fact been gaslighted in previous experiences. And I've done this before because like when it comes to an allergist, I went to an allergist and they tried to minimize and say that my suspicions of having an allergy to a food was like inaccurate and that it's nothing major you know it's nothing I should be worried about but then I went to a different allergist and the allergist was concerned about my symptoms and it turned out I was indeed allergic so definitely it's important to get a second opinion and an allergist or a doctor in general that is 
on your side from the standpoint of wanting to work with you to figure out what's going on, you know, and really listening to you and understanding where you're coming from and understanding your symptoms and your specific situation. You don't want a doctor that's just like, well, I've not come across a case like this, so it can't be possible. You want a doctor that's going to be like, I've not come across this in my practice thus far, but let's go and definitely try to figure out what could be the issue just so that you can have a clear, safe of mind and I can have, you know, that piece as well and making sure that, okay, let's scratch that off the list. What could another possibility be? And then the last tip I want to talk to you guys about is filing a complaint. I feel like this is a tip that even a lot of people, including myself, forget that you can, in fact, do that. And that gaslighting can lead to a lot of different serious consequences. So if you aren't being properly treated because your claims and concerns have been dismissed, you may be able to even file a medical malpractice or negligence lawsuit if you've been harmed or injured. So definitely look into different resources and talk with different resources in order to figure out if that's even the way you need to go. Um, Obviously, that is probably a last resort depending on what the situation is. But just know that that is also a viable option as well. But even though medical gaslighting can be very, very traumatizing, there are a lot of things that you can do to take those necessary steps to determine if you've been on the receiving end of medical gaslighting and if you think you're being subjected to it and really how to talk with the doctor when they aren't listening to you because it happens to everyone, but especially people of color and women and even those that have chronic conditions. And I hope you all enjoyed this episode and found it to be very helpful. I know I plan on implementing some of these things like actually keeping, like I said, a symptom journal and telling a story slash painting the picture of what I've actually been experiencing when I'm talking with a doctor, whether it's an allergist, primary care, another type of specialist, etc. So definitely I'm taking some of these tips and applying them to my own life. But if you guys enjoyed today's episode, be sure to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hopefully it's five stars and that the review is positive. Follow us on Instagram at Oh My Allergies. Follow me on Instagram at Oh My Valencia. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already on your podcast platform of choice. Keep on sharing the pod with people you know and don't know. And I'll talk to you guys in the next one. Bye, guys.